Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and periodically some interesting off-topic episodes that, for no other reason, your host finds interesting. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio, a position I've enjoyed for over three decades. In just a moment, we'll explore today's topic. You can find and listen to this podcast via any podcast app by searching for Weather Jazz, one word. Every episode is also available via the website weatherjazz.com which is also where you'll find any accompanying information and links to which I may make reference. This is episode number 80 for Friday, July the 26th, 2019. And I have a question to begin our program today. And that is, what were you doing on August the 20th, 1977, that is? Or September the 5th, 1977. Perhaps you weren't even born. But as for me, I was getting ready for my college career. I was uh, 18 years old. And on August the 20th, I was still packing things, uh, getting things ready in crates and boxes and, and all that jazz. And my mom and dad and my brother helping me to do that. And on September the 5th, I was actually on campus at Linden State College in northeastern Vermont. And um, if my memory serves me right, uh, September the 5th was a Monday. Classes had not yet begun, uh, and uh, that was the date on which my parents drove off a campus, and uh, I bade them goodbye as uh, they went back to southern New England about a three-hour drive south, and uh, I really began my semi-independent life on the campus. Uh, But those two dates are significant because those are the two dates that the Voyager spacecrafts were launched uh, from Cape Canaveral. Uh, They were uh, twin space probes, and interestingly enough, Voyager 2 launched first. That was on August the 20th. And Voyager 1 was launched on September the 5th, 1977. Uh, The trajectory of Voyager 2 took longer to reach Jupiter and Saturn. And the reason that they did that uh, was that uh, they wanted to uh, send it uh, past both Jupiter and Saturn in a way such that it would then take a close encounter and a close look to two planets that have only been encountered once by one of our space probes. And those uh, planets would be Uranus and Neptune. And it was Voyager 2 that uh, went past uh, Uranus and Neptune. Voyager 1, on the other hand, while also taking a a very close look at both Jupiter and Saturn, uh, Jupiter first in 1979 to uh, make that two years later, three years uh, later went to Saturn in 1980. Uh, But Voyager 1 had a trajectory that would essentially uh, send it hurling much faster out of the solar system. And of course, both spacecraft are now well outside of the solar system, way outside the uh, 
the orbit of uh, Pluto and essentially in interstellar space. So you, you can imagine what the sun looks like from either Voyager 1 or Voyager 2. Uh, but uh, the, the more amazing thing we'll talk about today is that NASA continues to keep these probes alive in the sense that it's still sending data back, both Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. And uh, that's essentially 42 years, and that's longer than any other space, uh, spacecraft in history. So we'll talk about that today and what the engineers are doing to make that happen, because obviously it has outlived uh, its uh, uh, thought of a lifespan, and uh, it is still doing a pretty good job at sending some very valuable data back to Earth from its interstellar space. So let's talk about that today. Both Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 now need to be managed, and that involves making some pretty difficult decisions and choices, particularly about the uh, instruments and the thrusters. And uh, let's get into a little bit of that right now. One of the key issues that both Voyagers launched back in 1977, as we mentioned, they have less and less power available to them uh, to run their scientific experiments and the instruments that are on board. You see they have heaters on board that actually keep a lot of those instruments somewhat warm in the coldness of deep space. And it's getting colder and colder out there the farther away it gets from the sun. Engineers basically have to decide what parts uh, they will power and what parts have to be turned off in order to preserve energy to make the heat necessary to keep some of the experiments going and also to keep the antennas pointed back to Earth. Uh, one of the other things that they have to deal with is uh, making sure that the thrusters are still working. Now, there have been some issues with those thrusters in recent uh, years. A couple of them uh, not quite as efficient, so they had, they had to essentially kind of uh, squeeze-jaw uh, the way in which those thrusters were used and essentially the thrusters it's not like those big big thrusters you see on many of the other spacecraft uh, that we are sending up into space even right now but rather they're very very tiny little uh, ports that literally throw little puffs of energy out and that tweaks the spacecraft's orientation so that it can keep the antennas pointing uh, towards Earth. Now a lot of these uh, both instruments and thruster packages were tested down to certain temperatures but never have they in actually encountered temperatures that they're encountering right now in the deep coldness of space way outside the solar system out in interstellar space. Right now, the current uh, temperature of interstellar space, a lot of those uh, instruments are encountering temperatures that are as cold as 74 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. And uh, this is lower than the temperature at which uh, many of these instrument packages were actually tested. And uh, they were tested as cold as about 50 below Fahrenheit. So this is about uh, 20, 25, 30 degrees colder than they were ever uh, intended to design or be designed to run at. Uh, truly an amazing feat that they're still running and that the engineers are able to keep 
the instrument packages and some of the thrusters uh, continuing to operate. Now, the Voyager 2 continues to return data from five instruments as it travels through interstellar space. And you can see what has been turned on and what has been turned off by going to my website, weatherjazz.com, and look up episode number 80. I will provide a link. If you click on that link, it'll show you what instrument packages are on, which ones have been turned off. Uh, and a, again, considering the fact that these are just m- just massively far away from uh, Earth, in some cases uh, 18 billion miles away from Earth, uh, they're still sending uh, bits of information our way. Now, yep, it takes a long time for that information to reach Earth now at the speed of light, which is the transmission speed of the data that exits uh, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2, it takes almost 24 hours from when Voyager sends a signal for NASA's antennas to actually pick it up. Go check it out. Uh, Again, the link will be on weatherjazz.com under episode number 80 called Voyager 1 and 2. Truly fascinating information. And by the way, that information that you'll call up, it's in real time. So when you look at it, it will tell you just exactly how far away it is, what instrument packages are still active and on, and so on and so forth. Truly fascinating stuff. The fact that we have a man-made object that is now well outside the solar system and still communicating with us is a feat that is a pat on the back of the engineers at NASA. Well, that's our program for today. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll have another episode very soon right here on Weather Jazz. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast today. And if you're listening via a mobile podcast app such as Breaker, Overcast, Google Podcast, or iTunes, among the many that are out there, remember to subscribe to Weather Jazz so that you'll automatically download the new episodes as I am able to upload them. And please take a moment to offer a review, and every single one of those reviews helps to get the word out. If you'd like to contact me with a question, a comment, or a program idea, I look forward to hearing from you. The best and the fastest method is via email. My email address is simply weatherjazz at yahoo.com. WeatherJazz and weatherjazz.com is copyrighted, and the WeatherJazz signature is a registered trademark, all rights reserved. I look forward to being with you soon with a brand new episode right here on WeatherJazz.